Thank you for listening to The Great Northern Podcast. The Great Northern celebrates our cold, creative winters through 10 days of diverse programming that invigorate mind and body. In an era of changing climate that threatens our signature season, we seek to create community, inspire action, and share the resilient spirit of the North with the world. In this episode of the Great Northern Podcast, we get to sit in on a conversation between Ashwini Ramaswamy and Yia Fang. Ashwini is a celebrated choreographer, dancer, and artist who has spent years steeped in South Indian classical dance, while also creating her own personal vision of South Asian women's representation within the performing arts. Chef Yia Fang was born in a Thai refugee camp where he lived until his family resettled in central Wisconsin. Yia uses food to tell a story and believes that every dish has a narrative. Please enjoy this conversation between two cultural creators who navigate multiple influences. Both Ashwini and Yia are part of this year's Great Northern Festival. Visit thegreatnorthernfestival.com for more info. Hi, my name is Ashwini Ramaswamy, a dancer and choreographer, and I'm so excited to talk today, have a conversation with Yia Vang. Hi, uh, nice to meet you. Uh, I, yeah, I'm really uh, excited to kind of talk through this. You know, it's funny, when I was reading your bio, I saw, you know, dancer, choreographer. It really, the only thing I know about dance and choreography was uh, in college, I took a dance appreciation class, and I was standing in the front row, and then the uh, the dance instructor told me to go stand in the back. So I don't think she <laughs> wanted me to do anything. So, yeah. Yes. Well, it's so great to that we can you know, sort of meet, even though it's electronically. Mm-hmm. Um, I am planning to come to the party on Wednesday and have some of your delicious creations. That'll be really fun, I think. And um really glad that the Great Northern is still, you know, kicking this year, um, even though we've had all these you know, surges yeah. again. Yeah, I, you know, I think one, one of the things, too, is we, we did also did it last year, you know, yeah, and, I was there. I yeah. was there in the cold. Yep. <laughs> but I, I think that that's just kind of one of those things where I think we just made a decision in the beginning uh, about three months ago when the planning started. And it says, hey, regardless, we're going to figure it out. And so that's what uh, I really love about all, everybody who's behind the Great Northern. Yeah, well, it's really um, special to be celebrating winter, I think. And I'm I'm born and raised in Minnesota and I like everyone else I think have a love-hate relationship with where we're centered here in terms of cold and I feel I really feel this mission of the celebration of the the north and and what we can um you know make positive out of what a lot of people consider maybe to be negative and literally negative temperatures yeah absolutely I think one of the things, like, I, I remember my mom telling me when we first came to America, you know, because I was, uh, you know, I was born in Thailand in, in a refugee camp and where a lot of the Hmong people resettled after the Vietnam War. And so we came here in 88. And I remember my mom telling me, and I don't really remember this because I was like four or five years old, and she was telling me how as kids we were so in awe and enamored by snow. This idea, this concept that there was this, like this, like, you know, like when it was snowing, it was like, whoa, it's like kind of ice or cold from the air, you know? And so uh, I remember that, but I think one of the things that I really love, and I, I truly think inside of what I love about Minnesota being part of here in the North is our, the word tenacity 
comes to me, you know, because sometimes yes. it does get really cold. And I think about, um, I mean, you know, my friends who live out on the West Coast, they'll be like, man, how can you stand it? And I'm like, you know what? It's just part of life, you know, and I think that yes. that, true, that rings really true to, you know, I, I think of our community around here in the Twin Cities. I think of Minnesota and all the things that have happened in the last couple of years here. I think about how tenacity, that's what's helped us push through, you know, and especially for us, you know, having a restaurant I mean, I'll be very honest. There were days where I'm like, I we should just shut this down because we I don't I don't yes. I don't know what else to do. I mean, there are days where I'm with my our executive team and we're looking at each other and we're like, we I don't think we're gonna make budget this week. So or how we're we gonna make payroll, you know. But somehow everyone just scraped together and we push forward. And I think that that resembles that spirit of the North, you know. Yes, I think it's so hard. You know, we both are in these fields where to do what we want to do we have to be together with people and you have to share your art and your food and in some ways it's like well what we're doing potentially is risky for people but also you need these things to be whole and to be a community and that dichotomy of you know how much do we keep going and we have to keep going um you know, with our passion, this is a real test Like you said, tenacity, resilience. It's a test of how much we're willing to be able to withstand. And, um, I do believe that people, I mean, you see people when they can, they're out they're they're seeing things, they're wanting to listen to music and see dance and definitely eat food together around a table. And, um, you know, I'm, I, my fingers are crossed and I pray for all of these fields, these mm-hmm. artistic fields to, to uh, survive this. Yeah. But at the end, like when, when I think of, you know, cause people always ask like, Hey, like, like what gives you strength? Like what gives you courage to go through this? And I'm like, I don't know. I look at my parents. Like I, I look at the war that they've been through. My father fought uh, in the war for the Americans. I, uh, them living through the refugee camp for 10 years, raising all of us, bringing us to this country. And like, once we got to this country, like more problems, you know, started. And I look at them and I think the thing that my parents have always taught me is this too shall pass. And there's this sense of patience I see in my parents where, where they're like, Mm. cause they're, you know, they're older and they're like, we seen a lot of things happen in life and eventually it passed. And then the next thing will come and eventually that will pass. But it is our ability to come together. That's what helps. And I think I think of the history of our people. You know, I uh, over uh, during the COVID time, I've been I've been spending my time hanging out with um, with um, uh, a professor, uh, Lee Pao Zhang from um, Concordia, and he's one of the, you know, his, he's one of those historians that dig into the Hmong culture, and he talks about how. 7,000 years ago, the Hmong people were one nation in what is known as southern, uh, southern China right now. And, and, but our, our people split. And the, the reason that one of the big reasons our people came back together was war was this war-torn country in Laos. And how it was, it was through that that our people became together. And it wasn't about the 18 clans anymore or the 18 tribes. It was about one nation group. And it was like, how do we preserve ourselves so that our next generation can keep moving forward? And I, I think about that and I use that lens to look at 
look at our community here in the Twin Cities after, you know, the uh, after George Floyd was killed and all the civil unrest and all that stuff and all the issues with race and, you know, and then you have COVID and then you have the rise of COVID and you have the surge of COVID and all these, and you have all these variants and everything. I think about how, how do we set aside our differences and we come together and say, this is, maybe this isn't about us, but maybe this is about the next generation, you know, the, the next group that's going to come here. Like what, what do we set for them? What kind of foundation do we set for them? And I, and I, I think, and I think that what's really fun is being a part of such a great organization and, you know, a great event like the great Northerner. So we can, you know, kind of set that tone. And so I get really excited about stuff like that. I think I, we both have a common ground of using our fields, our artistic fields to connect with these ancient cultures that we come from and being able to then, as you say, educate the next generation or at least show the next generation. And for me personally, um, there's a, there's so many Indian, uh, younger Indian children who would never think to go into the arts or go into um, something like dance and what my company, my, my mother and sister and I run it together. So it's also very much, I look to my mother and my older sister for, you know, guidance and they're my teachers also, but you know, it's so important to show, to be a leader in the arts and a, a trailblazer in a field that is not extremely populated by people like us and to be, you know, you hear the this talk of like windows and mirrors, you know, when you grow up reading or or looking at looking at other cultures and not your own, and you're looking as though you're through a window, but you also want to provide a mirror to other people. And I think that really persevering through and kind of trailblazing these careers that are usually, you know, not centered on South Asian, Southeast Asian communities. Um, it's really important work. And I, I, I agree. It's extremely exciting to have platforms like this and be able to talk with, with each other mm -hmm. like this. Absolutely. And I think one of the things I've, you know, I tell people that it still blows my mind that a part of what my job is to wake up every morning and be able to walk into our kitchen and cook for people. Like it blows my mind that I get to do this from a sense of like a, a vocational job where, you know, I can, you know, I get a check. And then on the other end, it's something where I, I'm really passionate and I love. But I, as I tell a lot of our, a lot of our cooks, I'm like, you guys aren't just cooks, you're storytellers. Mm -hmm. So the way you use your hands, the way you cut the veg, the way you, you're imparting flavors into the dish, you're telling stories. You know, we firmly believe within our restaurant, we said, every dish has a narrative. If you follow that narrative long enough and close enough, you get to the food you know, and once you're there, it's a, you get to the people. And once you're, um, once you're there, it's actually not about food, but it's about people. And then, you know, and then the food is a catalyst into cultivating great relationships. And that's what we get to yes. do is we get to tell stories by the food that we make. And so we have all these people that from all different backgrounds, all ethnicity, all sexual orientation, all beliefs that work with us. And they tell a little bit of their story into the food that they make at our place. And that's what I love. That's what I love. We get to do that. 
I'm sure that a lot of hard work went into it as well, though. It's not just luck. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of hard yeah, work. Yeah, it, it is. You know, uh, I, I, <laughs> I get uh, once in a while we'll get some, uh, you know, younger folks that come by and say, hey, I want to do this. Or, hey, we saw you on TV and, like, this is really what I want to do. And I'm like, that's that's not that's not it. Like, you know, do not believe in that stuff, you know. Like, it's there's yes. a lot of long hours of being in the dish area washing stuff scraping stuff down you know um but there's a joke they always say at the restaurant we always say how do you know who's the guy who owns it he's probably the guy like scrubbing the bathroom or you know washing the extra dishes or running around you know he never just sits there and just wears a nice chef coat or whatever you know i think people will often think you know uh that's glamorous that's a glamorous life Mm -hmm. being a dancer being Mm -hmm. a chef um but the number of the number of hours and it's not just you know you have to run a business both of us are running businesses and uh, I think one of the things also when we're talking about you know a new generation or or, you know imparting knowledge to a new generation we think it's so important my family and I that that people understand that business side you know arts are not just running around and doing what you want and what you love all the time you have to um, have a full picture of all the aspects and you know it's it's lovely that it's messy and it's hard and there's a lot of rejection and that's part of what you put into your final product I think so um yeah I think I think I I love that you know we love what we do but it's a grind also absolutely you gotta have that absolutely you know I, I tell people it's a hustle you know and it's you're only like for for us you're only as good as your last dish that's how I feel, like, you know, because it's like, mm-hmm. if you make a mistake and you failed in one, you know, in one dish, which we've done, it's just like, ah, oh, well, you know, that place wasn't that good anyways, you know? So there's always that pressure. Uh, but again, I, I, I relieve the pressure by listening to the words of my mother and father, where, you know, at the end, they always say at the end, this is, you know, it's it just, it's you and me, it's us, you know, it's, it's our family. And that's where, um, you know, if I can, if I can get home, I look in the mirror when I'm brushing my teeth at night and I'm looking in the mirror and I'm like, yeah, I stay true to their story. I'm tr- I get to tell, I get to talk about their legacy mm-hmm. as long as I can do that. I love that. Yeah, as long as I can do that. I don't care what the critics say. I don't care who, how many emails or how many, you know, things we get about, oh, well, that wasn't traditional or you didn't do that right. No, I don't, I don't give a turd about that, you know? Because at the end of the day, I, yes. I answer to them. At the end of the day, I look at them. It's it's their legacy. It's 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 an homage to them. And as long as I can true, be true to them, I'm okay. It it's that authenticity, mm-hmm. you know. If you if you're trying to please people all the time, it's just eventually that's going to run out. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to do what you feel is authentic. And I love the connection with your family. I, I relate to that so mm-hmm. hard. I talk to my mom and sister multiple times a day. Mm-hmm. I see them all the time. You know, we are very, very close creating together and separately as well. And I always think I make my artwork, I make my work for them and me together. Mm-hmm. You know, if they like it then and then they understand it, then I know I'm on mm-hmm. the right track. So um, that makes total sense. And also, you know, as I was trying, kind of mentioning earlier, Bharatanatyam, that's my dance mm-hmm. form, is the way that I connect back to being Indian. I was not born there. Mm-hmm. I do travel back there well before COVID every year. Um, and it's the way that I know about, you know, textiles, food, mm-hmm. customs, 
philosophy, spirituality, religion, all of that through that prism of dance. And uh, through COVID, it was that practice by myself in the studio alone where I was like, I'm not doing this for an external reason. I have to do it for an internal reason and for my own happiness and my own connection to something bigger. And that's kind of how I think you can, um, what am I trying to say? Not, not do it for others, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then you really get through yeah. what you want, I think, out of your, out of your art. Yeah. I, I think one of the things that like really hits me hard is the fact that mom and dad are the one that's in the grind with me, you know, like for you, your, your, your mom, your sister, they're in the grind with you. They know how hard it is. They, they're there when, you know, when, like for us, it's like, they're there. My mom, you know, my dad, they're there. They're crying with me when, like, we don't know how the bills are going to get paid from the work, you know? Like, they're there, like, working their garden, harvesting their food and saying, hey, we're going to give this to you. We want to bring that to the restaurant. You guys sell it. Do whatever you want with it. They're there. Yeah. At, like, four in the morning, working the field still. They're still taking care of their little boy. That's what I think about. And <laughs> so, like, to me, it's like, that's the one. Those are the people. Like, you're, you're still taking care of us. You know, in turns, they're retired now, and I feel like we need to take care of them, but it's like, man, you're still taking care of us. I think and then all of this, too, is it's so part of the North here, you know, where we, like we're, we're really, we, we take care of each other. It's deep-rooted in our family history, and that's why a lot of times when people, when, when, when we get some racist thing thrown at us where it's like, oh, go back to your own country, blah, 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 blah. That stuff doesn't bug me, you know? It doesn't, because it's like... Hey man, like if we sat down and had a conversation together, I'm pretty sure that you have some deep roots within your family that you hold tight to the way that I do, you know, but let's get to that table. Let's, let's sit down. Let's, let's have some fried chicken, whatever. Let's sit down together and let's just eat together and talk about that. You know, that's, that's exactly it because it's easy. It's in a simplifying way to say that you and I have, you know, multiple backstories Mm -hmm. because we're specifically from other countries. Mm -hmm. Everyone has that. And if you tap into that you know we do find these commonalities i think it's it's when people want kind of want to shun that multiple mm-hmm. layered perspective mm-hmm. you know culture that they're from that we have problems but um i i think that exactly what you're saying is true we can take our very specific you know culturally rooted practices mm-hmm. and transplant them here and use that to make connections and kind of have this the shared humanity, these Absolutely. shared human experiences. Mm-hmm. I love it. And I, I just, you know, I think you're, I think that the cold weather here does help, help form those bonds mm-hmm. even deeper as, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to ask you if you feel like, cause I have had this other conversation with chefs mm-hmm. about who are from other countries, mm-hmm. if they feel like when they're making a recipe, you know, more, for the Western palate, mm-hmm. if that they're kind of dumbing down what they're doing. Cause I feel like so that sometimes when I'm trying to make a more accessible piece, mm-hmm. you know, what am I taking away from the traditional or mm-hmm. what am I, you know, mm-hmm. re- am I, am I taking something away mm-hmm. or am I just changing the conversation? So I, I see food as the, I, I call food the universal language, right? It is a language that we can use to speak to anybody. You don't even have to speak the same language, but if you put good food in front of each other, we know it's good food, right? So I see food as a universal language. So for example, this is what I think about. When you talk to a child about death, 
and like, you know, like a funeral or death, you talk to them differently when you would talk to an adult about death. Just because there's this sense of understanding or having frame of reference for the subtext, the, you know, the, um, the syntax, uh, the context, all those texts, you know. So when, when people who have never eaten mung food before and they were say, hey, I, I haven't, I've never had this food before. I don't call it dumbing it down for them. I think that it's like when I'm talking to a child and, and, and I'm not saying this to be, belittle anybody. What I would do is I get down to their level physically and then I, I, I talk to them and using text that they would understand. So when I'm, so we have this sauce, you know, it's, it's a tiger bite sauce. It's our hot sauce we make. Now, when I say, uh, when I say tiger bite sauce or I say, oh yeah, this is our sauce, our, our Hmong, traditional Hmong sauce, that people will be like, huh, what? I don't get it. But when I say, hey, have you ever had chimichurri before? Or have you ever had salsa verde? They're like, yes. I'm like, okay, now think along that line. Now we have a few different ingredients in there, but it's kind of the same concept. Now, am I dumbing it down? Absolutely not. I, I don't, but, but I'm giving. But it's funny that you used other cultural, ba- culture yep. based sauces. Be- because to, it's what, I like that. Yeah, because it's yeah. what a lot of people know, right? So if I yeah. say salsa, everyone knows, oh, tomato, blah, 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 you know? A salsa verde. Oh yeah, it's this green sauce I put on tacos. Well, mung food people don't really know mung food that well. So, so there's an education process, and in that education process, I'm okay with anybody who's willing to learn, right? I'm totally fine with people who are saying, "Hey, I, I don't know, but I want I want to know more." I'm I'm fine with that. Now, the people that irks me a little bit are the people who come in thinking they know and then try and explain it back to me. Okay. Those are like, well, I I would just you know. So here's. So that's how I feel. Like, I, I don't want to dump. Now, once we get deeper into the food, once they're like, oh, what, what, what about this way? Or why do you eat it this way? Then, then we can talk about the complexities of it, you know? Because I say mung food, mung food is simple. It's made out of very simple ingredients. But there's layers of complexities in it. And those layers of complexities, actually, if you listen to them, if you're very careful in the way you eat them, you hear the stories and the voices of the past and the stories of our past in there. I love that. That's great. And of course, I think dance is the universal language. Oh, okay. We can, I mean, but like, yeah, same thing. Music. <laughs> you just, know, no, I, no yes. I totally get it. it. It is something that you, I'm just yeah, teasing. No, no, but I, but I agree. I say, <laughs> I think the same way about yes. music. It's a universal language, yes. you know? Yes. Well, what a fun conversation this has been. And I hope to meet you in person sometime. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll, it'll be busy on Wednesday, but I'll wave to you. Yeah. I'll probably have a mask on yeah. so you won't know. You're Just, like, who is that? Yeah, throw something at me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, this is great. And, and good luck with uh, the, the, your festival events. And um, awesome. I look forward to, to eating. Yeah, them. you too. This is so fun. For a full schedule of events or to make a donation to The Great Northern, visit our website at www.thegreatnorthernfestival.com. Your contribution will allow The Great Northern to continue seeking new perspectives on the elements that make this region unique, while highlighting what we stand to lose if our climate continues to warm. Support for The Great Northern is generously provided by sponsors including the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, McKnight Foundation, 
Askov Finlayson, Minneapolis Foundation, Spotify, Arts Midwest, Greater MSP, Excel Energy, Fat Tire Beer, Polestar Minneapolis, City of St. Paul Cultural Star Program, Carlson Family Foundation, M.A. Mortensen Company, Vikra Distillery, Sand Valley, Deed, Meet Minneapolis, Faribault Woolen Mill Company, Minneapolis Club, Renaissance Minneapolis Hotel, The Depot, Minnesota Public Radio, Sahan Journal, Caribou Coffee, Quebec Government Office in Chicago, Quincy Hall Crave Catering, REI Co-op, Villa Albertine, the French Consulate, GIST, and the St. Paul Hotel, along with community partners and individual donors.